Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. We have an awesome Sunday planned for you and I just want to give it up to our dream team who makes it happen, shows up early. They are the Levi's. If you know anything about scripture, they are the Levi's. They come and they set up the place so that we can enjoy Jesus and his presence in an atmosphere of praise and worship. And we are so excited that today we have one of our dear friends, mine and Pastor Alice. He sits on our board. We are so excited to welcome Pastor Felipe Santos from Echo Church. Do me a favor, give him a bold church welcome, and during his talk, help him preach the house down. He's got a word for us, so we're just going to pray for him. Would you extend your hands? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for Pastor Felipe. We thank you for his family. We thank you for who he is. And God, what you have done in his life, we thank you that you have given him a specific word to minister to us today. So God, would you give us a heart and a steady posture of humility, open ears and open eyes, and a soft heart to receive what it is that you have from us so that we can walk out of here transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, speak to us through your word. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, it's so good to be with you all here. I am a big fan of Bold Church, um, big fan of your pastors, Pastor Ali and Pastor Yasmin as well. And uh, you have an incredible privilege to be led of, by people of integrity. And over the last few years, I've gotten to know them. And uh, Echo Church that I represent is one of the churches that is cheering for Bold Church and believing with you. That God is not done. He's building his church in this area. One day, we'll have so many churches like Bow Church. And we, we're believing with you for that dream and that vision. In fact, Echo Church and Bow Church really is not just about us. We are about a region being transformed by the power of God. And we share this vision with you that someday... The Bay Area won't just be known as a place of immorality or politics or technology or whatever it might be, but it'll be known as a place where the love of Jesus echoes from here around the world. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen because of churches like this. So, so privileged to be here. Um, as Pastor Yasmin mentioned, I'm on the board of, of this church as well. And I get to see the behind the scenes a little bit of how this decisions are made, what kind of things are happening with what, how the resources are used in this church. And I just wanted to make sure you know, you are led by incredible pastors. And man, so such an honor to, to be a part of this team. And I, I want to just say one more thing too before we get into the, the word today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like worshiping here in the front row. And I'm just moved because there is an incredible team of volunteers in this church. Man, if you, if you came a little early and saw the passion of this team... There is foundation here for a church of tens of thousands someday, and you're going to be a part of something very special if you jump in and engage with what God's doing here. I really believe that. So I, I was given this task of uh, continuing this uh, series of conversations you're having on the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Ali said, do whatever you want when you come up here. But as I prayed, I felt this leaning that was in particular related to Mother's Day. 
And I know we all appreciate our moms and the ladies in the room and those that want to be moms, symbolic moms. There's all kinds of versions of moms, but we have a deep appreciation for the ladies. But I think there's something even deeper within this topic that God wants to communicate to every single one of us. But before we jump in, I'm wondering if any of you have ever felt really left out of something. I just want you to put, to put this, in, this picture in your mind for just a minute. Like a, a moment in your life that you felt like you got totally neglected, left out, like you weren't chosen for the team, or maybe in a relationship, like you were left hanging and someone abandoned you, or whatever it might be. Like picture that in your mind. So for example, I have, I have a lot of these moments in my life, but uh, one of the most regretful moments I've ever had, in fact, I'm embarrassed to share this with you, but I felt like I, I needed to. Uh, I have my daughter Lily here with me. She turned 16 this week, by the way. Pretty cool. But uh, I think it was a, a year ago, it was two years, three, I don't know, a couple years ago, uh, one of my main fears in life is to forget one of my children, and I have five of them. So it's easy to, like, forget someone, right? Um, and, and so I, I literally, like, I, I, I feared that my entire life, you know, the stories you hear of someone, like, leaving the baby in the car and all this stuff, I mean, I just feared it my whole entire life, and I did really good until last year. And so I, I, I was going to run an errand and actually go to my lead pastor's house and pick up my two boys that were hanging out with his two boys. And I asked Lily if she wants to come with me. She goes, oh, yeah, I have to get some stuff at Safeway anyways. Can, you, can we go to Safeway? And then she just jumped in the car. She didn't bring her phone with her because it was a quick, quick transition. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, how about this? His house is right by Safeway, so I'm going to drop you off. I'll go get the boys, and I'll be right back, like five minutes tops. And so she's like, okay, okay, Dad, I, got, I don't have my phone. I, I, no, don't worry. Just, just do it. So I drop her off at Safeway. I go to uh, Andy's house, my, my buddy, my pastor, and picked up my two boys. And then he starts to share with me this table that he's building. And I love building stuff. Like, I build stuff all the time in my house. He's like, hey, I want to get your feedback. What do you think I should do with the legs and all this stuff? And I'm, like, into my zone, and we're talking. And 30 minutes went by. And I get a phone call, and it was a strange number. And I'm like, what is this? So I pick up, and I hear this trembling voice, Dad, did you forget me? I know. I feel like crap right now. All right. <laughs> and my heart just dropped, and I was like, man, I did it for like 15 years, and now I'm failed. And I said, Lily, oh, my God. And I, I was like, boys, get in the car. Let's go. And I went in there, and I pulled up in front of Safeway. It was probably more like 35, 40 minutes by the time I got there. Uh, and when you're a, a young girl, and you're alone, and you have no phone, and you're expecting your dad back in five minutes, 40 minutes is a long time. And I pull up, and she's got tears in her eyes. And the daddy heart in me just felt like such a failure. In fact, I'm sorry again, Lily. <laughs> I just, I still feel the pain of that. And it was a major failure in my life. And I, I just remember this emotion that I saw in her face that she felt abandoned, lost, forgotten. 
I have all these emotions when I'm growing up, too, of one day, um, I, I remember this, this, this memory that I'll never forget where I'm in this crowded mall in Brazil where I'm from, and in Sao Paulo, like, huge city. It's like a six-story high mall, thousands of people, and there's this huge elevator, and there's a crowd of people in the elevator. I think I'm probably six years old at this point, and my family, I had, I had to, a brother and a sister, and my mom and dad are there, and the elevator door is open, and everybody's, like, coming in, and I get squeezed out of the crowd, and I just see this elevator door closing like this, and my parents and my family are inside, and I'm outside, and they don't see me, and so it closes, and I'm six years old, I'm like, no, and I thought, I'll never find my family again, because I'm a child. I don't know how that works, that they'll just come right back up, so I'm like bawling my eyes out, and I thought, I have no family. I've been abandoned, and it was, it was like a five-minute deal, but I remember like it was yesterday, because the emotion of feeling like you don't belong, like you are left behind, like you are neglected, like you're less than, like you're devalued, it sticks with you. Do you remember that time for you? You've probably had a few of these moments in your life. Well, here's the reality. I want to take us back for a minute into the days of when Jesus walked the earth. Because as bad as some of these things I told you are, it's nothing compared to what women had to deal with in that day. And I want to bring us back into that picture for a minute, so stick with me. I'm just going to read some, some uh, text, some historical text for us so that we can have this picture in our my mind, in our minds together. But then I'll, I'll show you a little bit more of why we're going down this road. See, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, there was a huge shortage of women, about 140 men for every 100 women. And if you, might, if you ask what happened to the women, because they're born at about the same rate as men, well, they were left to die when they got born to the wrong sex. A first century letter from a husband to a pregnant wife shows us this. A severe contrast in, in, in his tender regard for his wife and hoped for son versus disregard for his daughter. Here's the, what the letter recorded in the first century. I ask and beg of you, wife, to take good care of our baby son. If you are delivered of a child before I come home, and if it is a boy, keep it. If it's a girl... Discarded. By the law of Romulus in Rome, a father was required to raise all healthy male children, but only the firstborn female. The other ones were disposable. This is the time of Jesus. In the city of Delphi, out of 600 known families, six of them raised more than one daughter. The rest were abandoned to die. A wife was not permitted to eat or interact with male guests in her husband's home. She had to retire to her woman's quarters. Men were kept, kept their wives under lock and key. Women had the social status of a slave. Girls were not allowed to go to school. And when they grew up, they were not allowed to speak in public. Women were considered inferior to men. The Greek poets equated women with evil many times. The status of Roman women was also very low. The Roman law placed a wife under the absolute control of her husband, who had ownership of her and her possessions. He could divorce her if she went out in public without a veil. Just picture this. A husband had the power of life and death over his wife, just as he did his children. And as with the Greeks, women were not allowed to speak 
in public. In essence, there was a ton of injustice. And it wasn't just toward women. It was toward children. It was toward the outcasts, the sick, the ones that were not in the elite group of people in society. They were kicked out of cities. They were not, people were not allowed to touch them often. They were considered unclean. Even among the religious, it was one-sided. Men were the only ones often allowed to speak on behalf of God and minister to the people and care for the flock. Jewish women were often barred from public speaking. The oral law prohibited women from reading the Torah out loud, and synagogue worship was segregated, and women were not even allowed to be heard. That's the world Jesus stepped into. But God revealed to ancient Jews that there would be a day where things would be restored in the way that that it ought to be. His original intent would come about one more time. And there was prophet after prophet that spoke of this thing called the promise. And the promise was that someday God, again, would be able to live inside of human beings. Because when the, in the very beginning, that's what it was like. When God created humans, it was intended that we would house the presence of God. And then when sin entered the world, the presence of God fleed from the human body. And then the Spirit of God would just come upon people temporarily. And he could not come inside of people. He would just come upon people and onto people. But he couldn't reside in us because there was a huge problem called sin not dealt with. And so for this long period, they just hoped for the day when this promise would be fulfilled. And with that promise came a few other things that was predicted would be restored. In fact, the prophet Joel... Almost a thousand years before Jesus stepped on earth, he said it this way. He said, in the last days, this is speaking of the days after Jesus, the Messiah, would come. I will pour out my spirit, God said, upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. That was the plan. But they didn't quite get it. They knew it was like there was a someday this would happen, but I'm not not quite sure what this really means. To this prophecy was a part of a promise that would change humanity forever. And then Jesus came to earth, and he started shocking people everywhere. In fact, he would do all the things that even in his religious group you're not allowed to do. He came over and there were sick people that you're, you're not allowed to touch sick people because it makes you unclean. And he goes and he touches their face and he looks them in the eye and he loves them and he receives them. And all these religious people are like, whoa, no, no, don't do that. And then there's these women that even committed adultery. So it wasn't just a woman. It was a woman that was known to be sinful. Happened a few times. And all these men are like, let's stone her to death and let's, you know, punish her. And Jesus comes and he reminds all the men that they too have sinned just like her. And she is just as valued as them. And he looks her in the eye. He says, I forgive you. There were other women that he knew were considered abandoned by society because of sickness. And he would look at them and say, daughter. Like, restore the worth and the value of them. Then there was children. 
All these people in that society belittle children. Children were not allowed to be in the place of adults. And no, no way you come near a rabbi, a teacher of the religious law. And so the disciples of Jesus, his apprentices are basically walking with them, and children would come to Jesus one day, and they're like, Shh, stay away, he's not for you. And Jesus says, hey, 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 let him come. And the paradigm began to shift. See, Jesus began a new trajectory for humanity, one that would break the paradigm of the existing religious people, irreligious people, the government, the political world, everyone began to wonder what in the world is happening. And what he was doing is he was preparing the way for the promise. And the promise was coming. And in fact, he told his followers that, hey, when I go to a cross, this is going to be good news for you because unless I conquer this grave and I go to heaven, you're not going to have the one who will fulfill the promise. And they're all a little bit puzzled. Like, Wait, what do you mean? We don't want you to go. He's like, no, no, trust me. It's better if I go, he said to them. And they were a little confused about what exactly was happening. Why would it be good for you to go? And he's saying, you're not understanding this. Like what I began and you're seeing, you're going to be a part of fulfilling. And it was not just him. It was him preparing us for something much different, much greater. And then you see how Jesus included women in a day that women were not allowed to even be near some of the things that he did. In Luke chapter 8, I love this passage. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages. He's preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, which, by the way, the 12 men were symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel, and there was a symbol in choosing those 12 men. But along, among those men, there were also a group of female disciples. And it says that uh, he took the 12 disciples along with the women he, who had been, or with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So behind us, great men was even greater women. And they were funding his ministry. So there were businesswomen. There were women that had been delivered from evil spirits. And they're empowered by Jesus and empowering Jesus. They're the ones that are funding it and, and working their butts off so that this mission would advance. And you know why? Because he was about the only one who didn't abandon them. He looked them in the eye. He says, you, you're not belittled in my eyes. In fact... I've, I've come to fulfill a promise, and there will be a day that you're going to be the proclaimers of the message along with, along with all the men. And in a culture where that was unacceptable, he kept raising the standard and raising the value and lifting people around him. That's what he came to do. So you have this group of women that were following him, and they were powerful women. Not only that, I want to give you a little bit of a glimpse into what part women played in his ministry. And I'm going to unfold what this means for every single one of us. You see, his first miracle was performed in response to a plea from his mom. Other people had asked him for a miracle, and it was like, Mama, like, this is like, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. You asked for a miracle. You got one. 
And I love that passage, if you haven't read it, in John chapter 2, and he responds to his mom. He says, I, because you, you said so, basically, he performed a miracle. His first revelation of himself as Messiah was to a woman. In a day when you don't include women in an in elite kind of information, he revealed himself in John 4, 25 to women. His greatest miracle was performed at the request of two women in John chapter 11. His death was memorialized by a woman in John chapter 12. He, the women were included in his expanded group of disciples in Mark chapter 15. They stayed with him throughout the crucifixion. And after the men had abandoned him at the cross, guess who was left there? It was the women. They stayed with him. They observed his burial. Followed his resurrection, he appeared first to a woman. He commissioned the women to be the very first evangelist, the one that would go share, hey, he's not dead. He is alive. In fact, even in the early church, Jesus, after he resurrected, women played a significant role in kicking off the movement that we belong to today. They were included in the group of first disciples who met daily for prayer in the, at the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Women were among the first believers or Christians who made up the early church in Acts chapter 5. The first church in Europe was begun with a group of women and actually met in the home of a woman in Acts chapter 16. The early church was staffed by women, Romans 16, Philippians 4, and at least one of the very first churches was co-led by a woman as well. And you see this uprising, this confidence rising up in people that used to be abandoned and used to be belittled, men and women, old and young, women, female, male, whatever it was. Jesus, when Jesus came, he lifted their value and he looked them in the eye. He says, you can be used by me. You can be the house of God. You can be the temple of God. There was Tabitha. After being healed by Jesus, she was identified as a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus. There was Junia, referred to as one of the apostles of the early church. There was Phoebe, who, said, who was, the scripture says she is a, uh, a sister in the work, a deacon in the church, a servant, a, a leading as a part of the church. Priscilla was one of the... Uh, in the early church, her and her husband met, uh, opened their homes to lead one of the churches. Philip's daughter, or daughters, he had four daughters that were unmarried, were prophetesses. They would proclaim the goodness of God in the early church. And over and over again, we see this fuel. And this all began when the promise that Jesus had told and prophets had predicted for thousands of years was fulfilled. That promise was not just 2,000 years ago, it's today. Acts chapter 2, Jesus had told the disciples, there's a mission ahead, but before you go, you got to wait for the promise. Don't go without the promise. Don't go without the Spirit of God inside of you. If you try to do God's work your way without His power, you fail miserably. And so they're there praying. They're on their knees, and there's a hundred plus of them, and they're in this upper room. And there, are, guess what? There are students, and there are young people, and there are little girls and tall girls, and there are boys, and there are old men, and all everybody together, the remnant of the followers of Jesus, after He died on the cross, and He was raised from the dead, they're just praying. They're like, we don't know what this looks like, but he said there's a promise coming, and we can't go till the promise comes. And so they're praying every single day, God, come, bring your promise, bring the Spirit of God. And one day in Acts chapter 2, it says in the, in the day of Pentecost, 
festival of the Jewish people, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Spirit of God. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken of by the believers now, let me just remind you, these are like ordinary believers. They're like fishermen and so forth. They are, I mean, there's all kinds of people there, but they didn't speak all kinds of languages. Majority of them were Jewish believers. But in this festival, there's people from all over there in town, and they're hearing now the good news of God spoken in their own languages. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they explain. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. Here we are, Parthenians and Medes and Eleven, all these names I cannot pronounce. Uh, you can read them later. And we hear these people speaking in our languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's it. So they're like, well, there's, whatever is happening, it's either God or it's really bad. Because it's, it's, it's not normal. It is abnormal. Whatever happened in that room and shook that room, and it was so loud in that room, people came running to figure out what's happening that got so loud and so bold. And they, they're, they're wondering, they're like, well, they, some people were like, that's God. And some were saying, no, 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 that's, that's drunk. <laughs> and then Peter stepped forward with the other apostles and he shouted to the crowd. And this is like the moment. He says, listen carefully, all of you. And that all of you is really important. All of you. Pay attention to how many times the all of you mindset is revealed here in just a second. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is just too early for that. I, lo I love how he says that. I mean, maybe if it was 10 p.m., we'd be drunk. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. And he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And you're wondering, why are there women shouting here and proclaiming, you know, make them stop. And he, he's saying, no, no, no. All people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I think it's worth noting that this little extra verse, do you have the verse up here somewhere? Can you put it up there for me? You notice how in the very, now go, go back one real quick. In uh, the Acts verse. Uh, let's see, Luke, nope, not that one, right there, okay. See this little extra verse here, and they will prophesy. The original prophecy did not include that last little verse. 
the Peter in this occasion, he just repeated again. So the prophecy just ended there, men and women alike. But he had an extra emphasis that he wanted people to make sure they knew that there's something special happening here. To see the proclamation of the news and the message of Jesus is not reserved for just a bunch of Jewish men. It was for all people. And what you see, he's saying, pay careful attention to. Because now you see young people coming out of this room and they're speaking with boldness and with confidence of the presence of Jesus. And then they're seeing here the old men that used to just, you know, fall asleep in the mean. They're coming out with boldness and with courage proclaiming the message of Jesus. And then they see the women come out. And this is a big shock to them because if you remember, women were discarded in that day. And now they're coming out and they're speaking with boldness the message of Jesus. And they began to turn their cities upside down because they all embraced the news, the truth, the promise that there will be a day where it's no longer Jew or Gentile. It's no longer master or slave. It's no longer just, just men, but it's women. It's no long, it, it would be equalized. There will be a day where all people would be just as valued and used by God and able to be agents and ambassadors of the mission of God on the earth. When it clicked for them, it changed them forever. You and I are sitting in Silicon Valley 2,020 years later because of that day. Because there were people that got emboldened by the Spirit of God that day. Now, there's a huge difference between saying yes to Jesus in your life and saying, I want Holy Spirit you to live inside of this body. And as you read the rest of Acts, you're going to notice a pattern as well. And I encourage you, maybe some of you are new and you're exploring and curious about Jesus. There is a promise for you and I. And some people, even in, as the story unfolds, they would believe in Jesus and say, yeah, I saw, I believe, I see what's happening here. But they hadn't yet received the promise of the Spirit of God. And when you receive that promise, it changes you. I remember I grew up, like maybe some of you, I grew up in somewhat of a religious home. My parents were incredible uh, parents and, you know, followed Jesus. And to me, though, it was my family's religion. And I, I, I knew God. If you asked me, are you a Christian? I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I, I didn't know what it meant to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so I, I had this like nominal religion or faith that maybe you can relate with. It was my family's faith, but it was not my own faith. And I remember even this wrestling in my early, uh, you know, later in high school and beginning of college when I felt God start to call me to serve him in the way I do today and wrestling with this idea, well, I don't, I don't know if I, I can proclaim his message like I see other people do. And I remember I was so intimidating, intimidated by this idea that God can use someone like me. And especially when it comes to the proclamation of truth. To such a degree that even in college, I, I found a way to, to not do public speaking class. So I went to my, I was so fearful of public speaking. I went to my counselor and I was like, look, you've got to find me a way. I know that it's, requirement, it's a requirement of my degree. But you, there's got to be another way. I don't want to stand in front of my class and do public speaking. 
And, and then he, he looked around. He goes, there's no way. And then he goes, you know what? There might be a way. And he found a class called phonetics. And it was all just how to pronounce words. And he found a little loophole. He's like, hey, if you take phonetics, you don't have to do public speaking. I'm like, you got it. So I took phonetics. I'm like, I'm Brazilian. I need to learn pronunciation anyways because I'm not good at it. And that was my big excuse. And you know what? You know what changed inside of me? I, the more I, I took steps toward God, the more I realized there's more. Man, there's so much more. There is a promise that if you open yourself to, you know, Jesus said, how much more does a heavenly father want to give his spirit to those who ask? But he's a gentleman, and he won't force the spirit on us. Those, those disciples in that upper room, they were on their knees. They were standing up. They were crying out. They're saying, come, give, come, I receive. They were opening themselves to God. And you know what the truth is? God is a generous God. When you look at the trajectory of Scripture in all the Old Testament, the Father would give over. He gave mercy. He gives unfailing love. He gave his Son to whoever believes in him can receive eternal life. You see Jesus come out, and he's giving salvation. He's giving healing. He's giving and giving and giving. And then you see the Spirit come in this promise, and the Spirit comes with gifts. And he starts to unfold all these gifts inside of people, and he enables their tongue to speak languages they can't speak without them. He enables their, their mouths to proclaim messages that were, they were timid to proclaim before. He enables them to be able to share messages with people that allow them to receive. They, he enabled young people to go around and turn cities upside down. Most of the followers of Jesus that were his apprentices were teenagers or in their 20s. And all these men and women began to change the world because they got the promise inside of them. And they became, became temples of the living God. That promise is for you and I. And I want to give you a challenge. I actually encourage the band to come up on stage because I want to walk you through a couple things that I think are really important in this text. And even ask you to start to process this in light of where you're at. And I'm going to go back to that verse. And explain a few things a little bit slower here as we, we build on this, okay? It says this, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I want to point out that it's not a drip. It's a pouring. There's unlimited supply of the Spirit of God. And if you ever feel like I'm empty, there's not enough for me, like I, I don't feel like I belong, I feel like I have no worth, I feel like I've done too much wrong, the Spirit of God says, I got, I got more of me that can go inside of you. There's unlimited supply. It is a pouring. It is not a dripping. And maybe you've had a little bit of dripping inside of you, and you're like, oh, that's okay for me. I feel okay about myself. And God's saying, I got so much more I want to pour inside of you. Don't settle for a drip when God wants to pour. Receive the promise. And then it says, upon all people. And I want to point out one more time because I think there's a category of people here. It might be women. It might be men that you've kind of put yourself to the corner a little bit. And you're like, that whole mission of God thing, that's like for those people. That's like for the, the pastor. That's like for the preachers. That's for the elite. And I just want to remind you, that upper room was full of ordinary people, filled with the unordinary presence of God.
that when we invite the Spirit of God, it's for all people. There is no age barrier. I've seen young six, seven, eight-year-old kids be used by God. I see my daughter every week on a stage helping lead worship as a 16-year-old girl. I see people of every age, when they relinquish control of their lives to God, He comes, and it's for all. It is not for some church staff. It is for us. The Bay Area won't be transformed by a few people that work on some staff of some church. The Bay Area gets transformed when we say, God, we are your temple, and it's for me, and it's for you. And then it says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And the significance of this is that it's in every generation, it is our calling to move forward, to advance that which Jesus began. You see, in their day, it was just the beginning. Like Jesus broke their paradigm and they opened themselves to it, but he just started the whole thing. And the promise was that it's not, like you might not see it right now, but your sons and your daughters will continue to advance this. See, the gospel, the message of Jesus is a, is a message that is meant to be passed down from generation to generation. But it only happens when we when all, with all that we have deep inside our soul believe it's not just about my generation I gotta pass it to the next like you, you, you gotta believe that that when you see a young person you're gonna say hey we're, we're, we're gonna develop them my, my sons and my daughters I want them to be prophets of God I want them to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus and your sons and your daughters and the next generation and your students and your classmates and the people that are around you in your workplace and your neighbors, all of them, they're all there because God wants you to invest in them. And our generation needs to pass down to the next something grand. We need to be believe and embody the fact that it's for all. But then it says, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And I just want to, I felt this when I was praying earlier, that there's some of you here, you're like, I, I'm getting a little bit old. There's not a lot of you at Bold Church, but a few of you. And you're like, oh, the best years are behind. And I just, I just felt like there's somebody here I needed to tell you it's not over. And you got so much more, man. I, you know what, you know, when I was... When I was deep in a hole of addiction as a sophomore in high school, and I'm like drug dealing and partying and filling every, my body with everything you can imagine to see if something will satisfy my soul, I had these moments that I would have this like, something inside of me would say, you got more in you. Like, like there's something that kept drawing me. And you know, later I found out that my grandpa, who was on the other side of the world in Brazil, would be on his, he'd be on his knees praying for my soul. And there were so, all these moments that later on I look back and I, I found out that the moments that I, I had these encounters with God that were waking me up were moments where thousands of miles away my grandpa's on his knees praying for me and you might be kind of older in age and i just want to remind you 
Like your task is not over until you you got no breath in you. You are born for this. And then I just want to end with a reminder of the emphasis of Peter. He says, in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Sometimes this word prophecy is like a mysterious word. In its very essence, it just means they'll be proclaimers. They will be the mouthpiece of God. Sometimes we think of the mouthpiece of God as somebody who's on some stage like this. And this is the part that I just felt so strongly, the Spirit of God say, remind Bold Church of this, that the boldness is for all of you. And there is something God wants to do as you proclaim this message, as you go into your workplaces at Google and Apple and Netflix or schools and wherever else you might work. And when you, those of you that are students, when you go to your classes and when you're walking your dog in your neighborhoods and when you're, whatever you're doing, you are agents of God. You are the mouthpiece of God. And he has called you to be proclaimers of a message that changes the human soul. And if you connect together and if you commit to this local body and if you contribute your gifts and your talents and your value to this mission, your life together with the rest of these lives, as Pastor Yes said, there's life transformation that happens, but it happens in community. When you unite your gifts with other gifts, something powerful begins to happen. And I want to encourage you to stand with me for just a minute. And just close your eyes with me for a, a moment together here with me. I want to ask you, if you've already made this invitation to God, to say, I, I not only want you, Jesus, and what you've done for me, but I want the promise you told me you'd give me, which is I want to be the house of God. I want to be a spirit-empowered body. I want to be filled with you in such a way that I'm a proclaimer. I prophesy what you have done inside of me and to so many here, to others, God. I want to pass down to the next generation something that's more than just money and talent and careers. I want to pass down the promises of God to my sons and my daughters. And I wonder where you're at with that. If you have yet said yes to him, would you just extend your hands forward with me and just open up your hands? I want to lead us into a moment of just praying. And we're going to sing this song in just a minute that talks about how some things need to break in us. Because when the Spirit comes, it does. In my life, I had addictions that had to break. In your life, you might have some other stuff too. It might be some chains that you have to break. It might be a mindset you have to break. It might be your pride that needs to break right now. And you need to just humble yourself and say, God, I've been holding back. I've been, you know, settling for the drip of the Spirit. But I want the pouring of the Spirit now in my life. And something needs to break inside of you. There might be an addiction that needs to break. There might be doubt that needs to break. There might be even forgiveness that you need to break out of you and say, God, I need the grace to forgive. And then there's some in here that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you feel like you've been abandoned. 
And I just want to remind you that Jesus looks at you and he says, daughter and son, no matter what people spoke into your life, you need to break their words out of your life and believe what God says to be true about you, that you are valued, you are worthy, that he died for you. You're a son and you're a daughter. You're a proclaimer of truth. You inherit the promises of the living God, that you're a son and a daughter that has been called to take this message to the ends of the earth, that you're part of a body and you're here for a reason, that God called you to follow and to obey and to relinquish control and to be the temple of the living God. I wonder if you would just say that to him. God, would you come? Break the chains. Break the past. I receive more of you right now. Make it in your own prayer and your words. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to let it loose in your tongue. To just say it to Him with all that you got and lift your voices to Him. And make it be your prayer. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.